back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And Josh just beat his chest like King Kong. <laughs> so we're ready <laughs> to do this. <laughs> Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. So thank you for joining us at the podcast, which is just one of our many initiatives. Please remember to subscribe, give us a rating, write a comment. That all helps us just get seen by other writers as well. If you'd rather DM us with questions or topic suggestions, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. You can also find me, Tasha, on Instagram at StoryThursday and on Twitter at Tasha3.0. And me on Instagram at, as Josh Hallman and Twitter, Joshua Hallman. And we will be this weekend creating a Twitter account for Act 2 to finally kind of move that stuff over. Yeah, this is so exciting. We're, we've gotten overloaded with messages uh, that we have to put it all in one place. <laughs> yeah, it's just easier. <laughs> all right, so this week we're talking about this week in writing because we have a lot that's gone on and we felt like that would be a fun thing to do. And I have no idea what Josh is going to talk about. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really know what I'm going to talk about either. No, this is really exciting. So a few weeks ago, we talked about being proactive in one of our episodes. And after that, you said you were inspired to email a producer that you hadn't yes. talked to in a while. So my follow-up question is, did you do it and how did it go? I'm actually really happy you brought this up because I was going to let you know that I did do it and I haven't heard anything back from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> long has it been <laughs> what it's been a week i'm done oh man can yeah. you can you talk about who the producer was in terms of like what your relationship was with them before you emailed them so we had sent out a spec months ago and you know you do all the general meetings and you talk to new people and some people you've already talked to and so i met this new producer i got connected with him through my manager just had a nice little general. It was a great meeting. And I hadn't talked to him since because I usually just file things away. And I'm like, ah, whatever. If it comes, something comes up, it comes up. But then I was inspired from you. And I said, you know what? I'm going to fucking reach out to all of these producers that I never reach out to. And uh, I'm 0 for 1. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But maybe you should do another one maybe on Monday. Today's Friday Should... that we're recording. Maybe on Monday, yeah. and see yeah. see if you're over two. Should I just keep nudging the same person and <laughs> see what happens and just track it along this podcast? <laughs> I kind of. That's an interesting experiment that I yeah. would love for you to do. I wouldn't do it, but I don't mind watching it. <laughs> it's not something I would ever really do, but for the sake of the podcast and just general <laughs> curiosity <sighs> hey man just making sure this is still your email address oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> just, i would not do that <laughs> oh, that's amazing <laughs> so yeah that's uh i'm happy you brought that up that's okay. great okay well i'm sorry to hear that i'm sure no, they're just busy oh for sure i'm yeah. maybe you know let me let me just check my email yeah no he still hasn't written back <laughs> So wait, sorry, when was the last time you talked to him? Months ago, uh, okay. probably six months ago. 
Okay. All right. Well, I'll follow up again next time and see if anything's changed. All right. All right. So that's my first. That's my first thing, which is technically your thing, but wow. I'm gonna make you go next. Okay. So I, you know what? I'm starting on like a really big topic. I was gonna save it for last, mm-hmm. but no, it's gonna come first. Oh my gosh. This is my big this week in writing because this, this almost this almost could be a topic for an entire podcast. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm working on a project that's an action film. There are government agents, and ultimately, these government agents, they save the day, which is a fucking spoiler alert for everyone who ever <gasps> reads the script. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, so after my last round of notes, an executive sent over some, you know, excuse me, the executive sent over notes, and they posed a question in these notes. And the executive said, should we be tackling what it's like to be a U.S. agent in our political landscape? Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about that, but it got me thinking. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that I have always actively stayed away from political stuff in my scripts and in my stories. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I hate to say this, and I don't want this to sound like irresponsible, but I'm not interested in writing real life. Like I want to like, escape. I like themes of, yeah I, want, yeah, I want to escape. I want themes of hope, father-son stuff, relationships, rom-coms. That's my fucking jam. Yeah. But the point is I have to think about this because they might be right, maybe not. I, I have to like kind of see how it sits with me, but it just was like, is this inevitable? Is this kind of the world we live in? If you're writing a script, if there's some kind of government involved, you kind of have to tackle this. Probably not, but it just it has me thinking, Tasha. It's interesting because your movie, as you say, is a straight-up fun action movie where you don't need that question. And I get that the executive is probably reading the news all the time, and it is a very difficult world that we're living in. But in some ways, pick that battle, and this doesn't quite seem like the battle to pick it in. But on the other hand, to be kind of devil's advocate in this situation, I've gotten questions like that before as well. And I also had not thought about tackling a certain subject matter with this particular character or character relationship. And sometimes that note, I think there's a note behind it, <laughs> which oh, is shit. not which is not necessarily like go be political, but it's is there something deeper to these characters and relationships that we can highlight or bring up? So the yeah. note might not be that it's, hey, can we address the government situation and our lack of trust with the government and more like maybe these characters are a little should be a little deeper or yeah that's actually what i think it is i was thinking about that too that's what i hope it is i think it it probably is i haven't even written anyone back yet i have to do it and set a call next week sometime Mm. how are you going to address that call are you going to come with solutions to that problem yeah i and you know (laughs) It's interesting because there's a chance that this exec listens to this podcast. Oh, there's interesting. There's a very, very <laughs> small chance. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we'll edit everything out. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, because I, I have it, you know, this podcast will be released before the call. But the, the I'm probably going to address it and probably say it's that idea is maybe for a different movie than what I'm trying to write. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my gut. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that's like 
something that shouldn't be tackled. It's just, yeah. uh, I don't know. How should I, how should I approach it? I wonder if there's a way to approach it where you're not outright dismissing the idea, but you are in some ways like massaging it a little bit so that you are dismissing it, but you're, <laughs> you're acknowledging that you hear sort of the note behind the note, which is, yeah. for example, and like a way that I handle this oftentimes, if I don't agree with the note, but sort of get where it's, the note is coming from is I hear you. And that's definitely interesting. I'm not entirely sure that conversation is right for this movie, but I think something we can do that would like add complexity to these characters is I can have, you know, my, my main FBI agent kind of, kind of do this or kind of talk about this or his relationship with his father, who's also an FBI agent kind of looks like this just so that yeah. like, that's, that's something that's there and we're acknowledging it, but it's not a topic for the movie. And I think just being able to say that will help the exec be like, okay, he heard it. He's going to do something about it and doesn't have to be my idea, but at least he's going to do something about it. Yeah. I think that's the approach. This is all really interesting. And a lot of, it's really hard not to come off as dismissive. If there's a bad idea, it's hard because it's a bad idea. <laughs> you just like, you have to be really polite about um, some bad ideas that come your way. You get to have to be really practiced in saying the words, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I want to be very clear and say that I am not saying this is a bad idea. <laughs> Sorry. I'm projecting that. I never said that. <laughs> Because it's not a bad idea. I think it, it's interesting and would add some interesting complexity, particularly if your villain character is someone who believes this, that, you know, you can't trust the government. What are you doing? Maybe that's their sort of argument to the main characters. What are you yeah. doing serving this country and blah, blah, blah. Some, yeah, similar yeah, yeah. to sort of Speed, right? How he's a retired cop, the villain. And like, what are you doing? What are you doing trying to be a cop? Oh, that's right. They don't treat you right. Yeah. What did he do? He created bombs in speed. Mm -hmm. What a fucking movie. <laughs> One of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it just, it's, it's something to think about. I think if anyone's yeah. writing anything with the government, maybe it's something you have to like consider, like just, do you have to tackle what's going on in the world? Personally, I say, stay the fuck away from it, mm -hmm. but uh, that's just me. That's just my, my, my opinion, obviously. And I think your movie would succeed by staying away from it as well. So yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, I agree. So that that's my first uh, this week in writing. Well, it's really good. That's interesting. Thank you, Tasha. <sighs> now I'm insecure because mine is like less fun than yours. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so one of my This Week's in Writing actually comes from an email that one of our listeners sent. So I'm kind of stealing it. It's not really my This Week in Writing. But Clint, shout out to Clint. So Clint listened to our episode about organizing scripts, which God mm. bless him because that episode is quite a doozy. <laughs> so he sent an example of what he does with his scripts when he's organizing them, which I thought was really smart. So I thought I would share it, where he will have his main final draft document for his screenplay, which he titles, let's say, Father-Daughter Day for Joshua. Mm. Uh, Father-Daughter yeah. Day underscore working draft. So that's his main primary draft. And then let's say he starts working on it today. So at the end of this writing day, he will make a copy of that primary file, a new copy, title that Father-Daughter Day underscore working draft underscore today's date. Wow. So, 
we're recording on August 27th, so you would put that down. So then, to me, that kind of replaces, we talked about having a log of all of your drafts that um, this another writer recommended doing, where you have like this running system in your father-daughter day folder that now has every draft from every date that you've worked on it, which I think is great, and I really love that idea. But then it got me thinking of this log idea, because the, the log was pitched to us as like this separate doc document that you create, where you write the date of whatever day that you wrote on this script and then you write what you changed in the script so like i yeah. changed the opening which feels very valuable to have that actually this came up recently for me since i have to make it this week in writing um <laughs> where for me actually i am doing notes on a project that i have been working on for like five years so as you can imagine i have a lot of drafts and this note came up about introducing my character in a different way and i was like actually i had a draft at one point that did that so let me find it but when i opened up my folder for that project like i felt like throwing up because <laughs> there were just five years of drafts with like nothing to distinguish them other than a date that was different so it made me think man i wish i had a list of just what i changed in each one so that i could immediately go to it so i wonder if there's a version of this where after you write on father daughter day you save it as that working draft date and you also create like a little small document yeah where you just write what the changes are and then you title it the same thing so for every draft you have like every final draft you have, you also have a Word document that you can open with the same date that you can just quickly see like, okay, I wrote this, I changed my introduction to my main character in this one. Great, easy. So that when I have to go back through five years of drafts, I don't have to go through every script. I just go through those Word documents and be like, okay, this one had this, this one had this. Yeah. I got it. <sighs> These are such great ideas. Okay, not to dismiss any of this because it's yeah. all really great. But can I just tell you, this might just also be part lazy, but I swear to you, my when I can't see like an entire file name, mm. it just throws me off. I'm like, what, where's the file? And sometimes if, it, if it's alphabetized differently, or if there's a certain number, it shoots up to the top of the file mm. list. I'm just, I'm in disarray. Are you talking to me about all of this? I'm already confused. <laughs> you, have to, you have to do it by modified date, man, not by title. What are you doing? I don't know. Filter properly. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, that is actually a really great idea. It's so important too. I, I think it's, I think that's maybe the way to do it. What you just explained. Yeah. The log is such a great idea. Yeah. I just, I just lost a whole chunk of something in a script recently this week because I didn't resave it and, you know, include that bit. I just like took it out and didn't put it in a cuts folder. We talked also about having a separate file where you or separate document rather where you put in anything you cut from your scripts and just throw it in there yeah. which i started doing but for some reason just didn't do it this time and now i lost a really cool moment in tomb raider which will never be seen ever damn <laughs> is all right well <laughs> too bad never yeah, too bad <laughs> it's meant to be that means it's meant to be from the writing gods they say that was a bad moment that's what you say yeah okay all right. I have another I have another this week in writing. This is a hot button topic. Okay. It's not as much of this week in writing as it is something else. Wow, so mysterious. It's about Ted Lasso. 
Ah! Oh my god, that goes so well with my next This Week in Writing. All right, go. Okay. Have you noticed there's a Ted Lasso backlash? Yes. I don't get it. I don't understand what the fuck is going on. Why we must tear these precious things down after we build them up in the first place. I don't know. And But it, it did get me thinking. Uh, there's, there's a weird backlash. And I was like, why? Like, what the fuck is going on here? And so it got me thinking about the first season. And there is, you know, the, the sports element to it, which I admittedly would say is not really in the second season so much. It's much more character-based, and which I love. But it, it just got me thinking about how difficult it is to write a second season to, a, like, a first season, which is always, like, an origin story, which I love. I mm-hmm. always love. It's like having, you know, the first movie of something. And, you know, I just... I don't know. It's it's almost something to do- watch. If you're a writer, you haven't seen it yet. Just watch the difference of like the storytelling because yeah. all the characters are established now in Act Two, or excuse me, in Season Two, and um, it's really hard to tell new and unique stories. Well, it's interesting. We had this exact conversation, Paul and I. Paul is my fiance, and I like almost didn't want him to talk about it. I almost interrupted him and was like, "Please stop." because you're depressing me like I don't want to talk about anything bad about Ted Lasso but he was just kind of commenting on how it is different and asking my opinion on why it was different and he is actually really insightful when he he felt like and he's totally right so season one has a very clear drive right it's the Rebecca Ted story Rebecca's trying to tear Ted down and ruin the club and it's about Mm -hmm. not ruining the club and repairing that relationship Season two is, as you say, just about character moments. It's almost, it's just become this ensemble and it's just character stuff going on. And he was like, why aren't they, they got relegated at the end of season one. Why isn't the relegation and getting promoted back up to the Premier League the core story that everyone is swirling around? And we can tell the same character stories, but just we have this driving thread and there's no driving thread in season two, which I think is what people are maybe pissing on. I don't know, because I don't read the articles because I hate that they even exist. Yeah. But that's my guess. And I think that's so insightful and so right is you're just missing a drive. Yeah. Yeah. There was the major league drive in yeah. season one, which yeah. is so great. But it's tough. It's really tough to write. You know, if you're writing a Bible, a series Bible for something, you know how tough it is after you create all your characters. Now you're like, okay, now what? What happens in season two? Well, but what sucks is they have a now what already baked in. They have a we are underdogs and we have to get back to the Premier League. So it is yeah. kind of confusing why that isn't the main thrust of season two. Instead, it's actually just kind of used as a throwaway joke, right? Like all the ties that they yeah. keep having. It's just kind of a joke versus sort of the main thrust of the show and think about how much more interesting I think season two would be if everyone's stressed out about the relegation and trying to get back up to Premier League and that sort of becomes the impetus for a lot of the different relationships going on. Can I tell you how much I loved the rom-com episode? So good. Tell me. There's maybe my favorite episode of Ted Lasso. You cried. I, I got I got a little a little teary. There were some was it the was, part, was it the end of the episode? Not to spoil it. For yeah, everyone, it was but. just, it brought me just pure joy. Like yeah. I was just like smiling from happiness. I was so fucking happy. <laughs> I loved it. It was a rom-com. I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. It was one of those moments where, you know, like the end of Mandalorian when Luke Skywalker comes back. Big yeah. spoiler alert if no one's seen that. 
and 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 you're just watching it and it's like i can't believe i'm witnessing this yeah this is amazing yeah i'm that so is happy kind of someone did felt. this yeah did I just step on your This Week in Writing? No, actually, it's a perfect segue because my other This Week in Writing was actually something I meant to do weeks ago. So I've, I've been forgetting it, so I'm bringing it up, which is I went to a WGA panel where Bill Lawrence, the co-creator of Ted Lasso, came on and talked about Ted Lasso. And I thought that there were some really great things that he said in the panel that I just kind of wanted to share with people who didn't go to the panel. Yeah, no, and I'm actually offended this is the first time this is even coming up. <laughs> I know! <laughs> This is fucking weird. This happened weeks ago. I'm sorry. I just kept forgetting. Yeah. Oh, the other week I ran into Lara Croft over at the grocery store and uh, <laughs> we had a conversation. <laughs> yeah, similar. <laughs> anyway, All right. Go so, ahead. Okay. So a few things Bill said about specifically just he was talking about TV writing, right? He's kind of a, a god, I feel like, in, in the TV space. Um, Bill said that the way he thinks about starting a pilot is he finds a world that he wants to live in and he usually will know the beginning of the story and the end but how he fleshes it out is he thinks about okay we have these characters in this world and they have to care about something right so what do they care about they also have to care about each other so that's a place that we can play with if we care about each other then you know we wouldn't want x to happen to someone and they also have to be dealing with some kind of pathos and some kind of hurt he said and i think that's really interesting way of thinking about it, um, particularly with the kind of stuff that he writes, which is all this very character-driven stuff versus what you and I write, Josh, which is very kind of action-heavy stuff. Um, but thinking about character, I think that was great. And then speaking specifically about character, which I think he does exceptionally well, is he says, establish your characters very quickly because audiences decide very quickly if they're into a character or not, which of course means are they into your show or not? And he said the kind of best way to create characters is to make people think they got him, like they understand him, and then flip mm. that, which I think he does so well in Ted Lasso for almost every character. But specifically, you know, you have Rebecca, who is the major league sports movie trope of this bitchy woman team owner, and then you flip it. So you're suddenly really empathizing with her. So he's like, do that for everyone. And I think that's a really good reminder that is very interesting although ted lasso you kind of have the grasp on him from the get-go except when he has his panic attack in season one and you're like oh there's there's pain there oh that's right that's interesting i like that yeah so think uh, you know get to know a character and then flip it mm -hmm. hmm. yeah it has really great complexity and then this is another interesting topic he mentioned, which I thought was interesting because it's something we have discussed in our own writers group where he talked about act breaks. And he said that with streaming and television, you don't have act breaks anymore because act breaks are usually where the commercials would go, right? And mm. at that point in the act break, you really need to have some kind of hook, something to bring the audience back after the commercial. And sometimes you'd have like five hooks an episode, right? That's how many commercial breaks there would be. But now with streaming, we don't have to worry about commercials, so we don't have act breaks. But he said that there's a problem in TV, which we have all experienced, where your friend has been like, just wait, like the show gets really good by episode six. Yeah. And you're like, I don't have that kind of time <laughs> to get to six. So Bill Lawrence suggests, hey, avoid that problem altogether and give yourself fake act breaks basically 
So force yourself to write those little hooks, even if you're not breaking for a commercial. And that keeps people, keeps audiences moving through the episode regardless. Yeah. Which I thought was great. Do you remember the um, script shadow guy? Yes. There was a, there was a guy, uh, he had like a newsletter and everything, mm -hmm. and then he broke a writer named uh, Tyler Marcera, mm -hmm. I believe his name is. Mm -hmm. The Disciple Program was the name of the script. And mm -hmm. I remember reading an article that said the way he wrote the script was like every 10 pages, he would create a hook, I think. Mm -hmm. Like he had, to, he had to do like 10 pages at a time, 10 pages at a time. So it just kept people like more interest, getting more interested, interested, interested as you kind of read along. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. I hope, I hope that was an accurate story I just told. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get a letter from a lawyer here soon. <laughs> I can't wait. Toss is quoting Bill Lawrence without his permission. <laughs> Bill Lawrence is, I like that. I think that's great though. Yeah. So the final thing that Bill said that I thought was interesting, because this is not something that I do, nor do I know anyone who really does this, but his writing process on Ted Lasso, he said he and Jason Sudeikis, who he co-wrote everything with, would write the first five scenes. And then the next day... They'd sit down and they'd revise all of those five scenes and then just add two more. And then the next day, they'd revise all seven of those scenes and then add another one and so on. So in, when they, wow. by the time they got the final pilot script together, the first few scenes had been like revised like 25 times or something like that. So we would just yeah. keep progressively adding more, which I think is kind of interesting. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's a good process. Yeah. It's slow, but good. I mean, listen, if someone knows, it's Bill Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> He's the man. Yeah. All right. This is something. I had, excuse me, I had my wife read a script that I'm working on. Yeah. My wife, Nicole. And I, I actually don't really ask her to read things too often. And she is a casting director. And she ended up imparting some wisdom on me. And this is... Of course, probably coming from a casting director, it makes sense. But she was like, like, asked me who the actor and actress I had in mind. Who's, who's mm. your actress that you're thinking of? And I was like, uh, that's a great question. Like, I, I hadn't really question. thought about it. Yeah. I fucking hate that question, too. And then she starts throwing out some different actresses. And she was like, what about this person? What about this person? And then she started to talk about this dynamic that my two female uh, lead characters have in mm. this one script I'm writing. And all of a sudden, things started to click in my head. Like, I understood kind of like the voice of both of these characters. Mm. And it was just a really good reminder that if you're writing and if you're looking for like a voice within a character, yeah. it really does help to picture a, a, an actress or an actor in the, in the role. That's really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, I know. Can she read my scripts and also give me suggestions? For sure. She'll read it and be like, I'm going to cast this, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another day, one day we're going to do a, um, an episode about the pain of getting notes from your spouse. It cuts, yeah. it cuts deep. Yeah. It really hurts sometimes. Is, is that why you're not sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> it actually might be. Me, man. Yeah, spouses need to just tell you everything is wonderful, really. Yeah, it's like tell me everything's great, but just don't at the same time. Sometimes when Nicole will give me, like when she gave me notes, I was like, 
I was like, yeah, no, this is great. Like, I felt like I was had just started writing again, and I was just so vulnerable. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. I, I don't know. It's a tough position to put your significant other in because there's no way they could win that situation. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we may have to talk about it. Bring Nicole onto the podcast. Oh, yeah. She'll definitely come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> so... That's that. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Okay. So my last this week in writing is really interesting. I think uh, I think I've kind of brought this topic up before in the past as a thing for people to do, and then I've just never done it, and then I finally did it. And yes, I'm so <laughs> excited for this. We should have started with this. God damn it. So uh, a goal buddy of mine has very often in his writing career reached out to authors of short stories or books that he just really loved. Do we need to explain what goal buddies are real quickly? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a goal buddy. We, Josh and I also are goal buddies, but this is a different yeah. goal buddy. And goal buddies are other professional writers who uh, you meet with on a regular basis throughout the year. And you just go over what are your goals for yeah. that month or that week. And they kind of keep you honest. Like Josh and Dave is our other goal buddy will like text me like, Tasha, did you get that draft done yet? You said you were going to get it done by Friday. Like, where is it? And they'll kind of pressure you to get stuff done. And it's great. This other goal buddy has been like emailing me every week so that I get my short story done. Like, it's really yeah. great. If you don't have a writer's group, this is sort of the next best thing is to get someone to just keep you accountable. Yeah. So that's who this is. And he's all and we're also like each other's therapists, I feel like. Like we will reach out to your goal buddy and be like, I'm really struggling with this relationship with my producer or with this deadline. Like how do you deal with your schedule every day? It's just you can ask them any writing related question. So something that this other goal buddy said to me was that in those situations where he's trying to go get IP and adapt it for film or TV he will write a kind of fan letter to the author to just kind of, hey, I read this, I love it, this is what I love about it, wondering if the rights are available. And we talked about this because there was a book I really wanted to go after and I didn't know how to do it. And it seems obvious to just go ahead and write a fan letter, but my thing was like, I was so scared that I didn't have a take for what the movie was. Like, I didn't know exactly what the movie was going to be. So therefore, I could not absolutely reach out to this author and tell them I was interested in their book because what if he said yes? And then suddenly I'm like, oh, oh, God, I, will, I don't have a take yet. And that just, that anxiety, future anxiety prohibited me so much that I just never would write these fan letters, essentially, to ask for rights. But it came up and he just kept pushing me to do it. And so I was like, fucking fine. I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> and my manager also encouraged me to do it. And I wrote this letter. My manager helped sort of edit it a little bit. She was like, mm -hmm. you're being too long-winded. We get it. You love him. <laughs> so like, I kind of trimmed it down. And um, I and my manager both kind of hit the Googles and found this author's representation and my manager sent my fan letter along to the agent a week or two goes by and i completely forgot about it i pretty much figured it would get eaten up in the system 
that, yep. you know, authors, particularly the author I was sending it to is a pretty big author, that he would just see it, throw it away. I get, you know, 100 of these a day. But turns out he responded and he said, you know, thank you for the letter, Tasha. It's really nice to hear this from another writer. I really appreciate it. The rights are already taken, but here is the email address of the guy who has those rights. Best of luck. Wow. And he sent that to his agent, who then sent it to my manager. So this is kind of a game of telephone a bit, but that's how it then got to me. And I was like, oh, my God, he read it. Oh, my God. Like, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> like, oh, shoot. What do I do now? Like, do we just leave it because someone else has the rights and not just abandon it because they're doing something? And my reps were like, no, like, let's reach out to this person who has the rights. And kudos to them because they were very active about this. They're like, Tasha, you love this. This is right up your alley. Let's just reach out to the guy. What, what harm can yeah. there be? And so they sent this guy an email. None of them knew him personally. So they had to kind of go out of their comfort zone, meet someone new. And they ended up setting up a meeting with me and this this guy and it turns out that my fan letter which i've never written one before in my entire life but this fan letter ended up in their inbox at the exact time that they were looking for writers and they were like Amazing. kind of about to hire one there were two that they were thinking of and then my fan letter ends up in their inbox and so i mean i'm gonna knock on wood but things are looking good <laughs> like this this yeah. is a project i may actually work on now all because yeah. I sort of sucked it up and wrote this fan letter, which I was terrified to do and had many excuses for not doing. I have multiple questions. Yeah. In, in length, how long was the fan letter? It was two kind of chunkier paragraphs and then a short yeah. paragraph at the end, which was basically like, if you, if the rights are available and this interests you, give me a call. Yeah. Amazing. And, and yeah. in, in the fan letter, you basically said, this is what I like about it. It's really influenced me. You know, uh, this was beautiful. This was beautiful. I love these characters. Like that, that was kind of the tone of the fan letter. Yeah. The first paragraph was more of an intro to who I am. So we didn't know. Of course. Like, right. <laughs> that I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> sure. And two was um, saying, these are the things that I really love about the genre you're writing in why i think your take is unique and special and here's why i think it should be adapted and why it's so important and then the third paragraph was like give me a call essentially wow and then do you believe in fate i think i do now <laughs> there you go yes it's things like you hear these things and it's like wow what are the odds that you would send an email at the exact time that they may be looking for writers yeah yeah, it's crazy. You have to stay proactive. So, first of all, this is really exciting. Thank you. I'm really excited. Yeah, no, this is great. Do Do you think it's possible to reach out to an author and get the traction if you don't have an agent and a manager? Yes, because my goal buddy has done it himself without going through his reps. I happen to go through the reps because I just couldn't find right. his author's reps information and they were just better equipped to, to find that information. But yes, this my goal buddy, he writes them and sends them himself all the time. So if you were giving advice 
to someone who's going to reach out to an author that they just, they love a story. What would be the advice of the fan letter that clearly, clearly you're an expert on? (laughs) 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 Um, I would say do it because that was the advice to me and I resisted it until I didn't. And then, you know, this great thing happened. And I think the example that my goal buddy is is as himself in his own life and experiences is someone who just goes for it. And he's like, the worst that can happen, Tasha, is they say no, which then you're exactly where you were before you wrote it. So might as well write it. And the thing too, one of the other hurdles for me was like, I don't have the money that will probably be required if this right. guy says yes, and here's the option price I want for it. And so I was like, why even bother? I don't have the money for it. And my goal buddy the reply to that was, I have never paid for a single uh, option, or I guess he gets shopping agreements. Which yeah. A shopping agreement is different from an option because a shopping agreement is like, I have 10 months to come up with a take and sell my pitch of your short story before you just get the rights back. Yeah. And then an option is you're actually like paying for 12 months. And then during that time, you can kind of do whatever you want. You can adapt it during that time and then try and sell it. But usually a shopping agreement is a shorter amount of time, which is less sort of risky for the author. And it's a shorter Mm -hmm. amount of time because that's usually when you're shopping it around, right? You're pitching it around. So you're not actually adapting the short story at that point. You're just pitching it around. Um, But there are many, and we can actually do a whole episode about this topic because I think there are many ways about going about getting IP and trying to sell it, particularly in this time and age, IP is so important. Um, But I think to answer your original question, I think you you just do it. Be as professional as you can and just do it. Yeah. Does your other goal buddy, who's not me or Dave, does uh, he tell his reps that he's reaching out to these people? He just goes for it. I don't think necessarily, no. Yeah. I mean, why bother unless the person says yes? I once reached out to um, someone who wrote an article and got a response back because I just thought the article was really cool. I wasn't even passionate about it. I was like, this could be a cool fucking movie. Like, Mm -hmm. that's where my head was at. And I ended up getting in touch with the uh the publisher like the magazine publisher and they were like we they said like how much do you want to option it for i was like i don't have any money and they're like just give us a number and i was like nothing and and they asked again for a number because <laughs> they were like it has to be something yeah i was like 20 dollars, like kind of like half joking and i think they seriously considered it and then they're like if we do this nothing from the article can be changed you can't like we're gonna make you sign an agreement that you can't change anything and i was like well i'm gonna have to take some liberty yeah um, the article was about exorcisms held in like one giant oh it was about an exorcism convention oh interesting and i was like this is fucking insane like it's a real thing yeah so i bring that up because if anyone wants to go find that article and <laughs> write an awesome script about it go do it yeah, that's interesting. They were willing to give it to you for 20 bucks. Yeah. No, I don't think they were. I think it was like they were just messing with me. And then mm. the because like I was coming from a place where I just reached out and I was like, hey, yeah. but, the, but you can get in touch with these people. So I, I you're ultimately the advice from other goal buddy, not me or Dave. And you is that, yes, just do it. Just fucking just do it. Yeah, just do it. 
I don't even, I, I'm done. After that story, there's nothing I can follow up with. <laughs> All right, straight to the quote of the day then. <laughs> quote of the day. Boom. If you love a show that's great, don't try to copy it. Figuring out what's going to work based on what's currently working is never going to work. Bill Lawrence. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. You can follow Josh. Yeah, just go for it. I think you were going to say on it. On Twitter? I don't remember. Joshua Hallman? Yeah, that's right. At Twitter? Wait, what? This is the first time you've ever said it. Have I been fucking up that much <laughs> that you're just you're like, I got this. <laughs> Enough, dude. <laughs> Go, you go. I'm sorry. Josh Hallman on Instagram. Joshua Hallman on at Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> and as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Music by Four One Four Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm-hmm.